lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. But frankly, if we're being honest, not that much in demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. That's right. We are other programming, hangers on. We're just as surprised as you are that we are still here. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre is here as well because he has nowhere else to go. And then we will be joined by our good friend Rachel Semmel from the Center for Renewing America. She'll be here with us for the Dace Group in just a few moments. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for us as well on places that don't censor us, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there at Steve Dace Show on Getter. And then get clips of the show at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. Guys, I know that hair loss can be a sensitive topic. That's why... Our friends over at Keeps, they've got you covered. They offer doctor-recommended, clinically proven, research-backed treatments to stop hair loss and improve hair growth. And Keeps physicians will help you select the right products and treatments for your specific condition and hair goals. All Keeps treatments plans are delivered straight to your door. So convenience and privacy uh, and about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy because they use the generic versions. Your plan comes with a full year of unlimited messaging so you can connect with your doctor about anything, anytime. All right. So get the exact same doctor recommended treatments uh, that are also proven to work, but also less expensive with our friends over at keeps. And right now they'll give you 50% off your first order to get you started today. Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, for keeps.com slash grow. 50% off your first order on top of all that convenience and the savings with the generics at keeps.com slash grow. Next hour, we will get to your feedback that you have sent us to the stevedays.com inbox in recent days. But we begin, as we always do, on a Friday with the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was. And yes, for those of you that are new here, that is a complete and total ripoff of the McLaughlin Group's imaging uh, format, uh, even the music uh, and the fonts. But John McLaughlin is dead now, so we think we're okay and we're in the clear. And like the Biden regime, we're just going to do stuff we know is illegal and then let the courts sort it out. Let's get to issue one. Uh, Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Nobody cares about. Again? No, let's be honest. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs. Okay, you you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's do you mean nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard. Wait, wait, I'm you're telling you, you a very, personally don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. We we do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue, uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community. Uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive. And, and we will continue on that path. We don't have, I, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he targeted that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. Uh, 
I, 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 we just don't have enough facts. But the best answer was, hey, if you think I'm senile and I, I'm doddering, you get up here and try to do an hour and 45 minutes in front of you and your colleagues and not screw up. He didn't. I thought it was the best demonstration of the fact that the president's mind is perfectly fine. So I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. So what's the point of now sending N95 or KN95 masks out to Americans if a lot of those masks are just single daily use? Like somebody wears it once, then what? Uh, masks save lives, um, I think is the important thing here. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research or that they are above the law and they can break the rules. Australia, Novak Djokovic, Australia said, no, 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 no. We're going to look at the greater good of everyone in our society, and you're not part of that. The possibility of Samantha Shapiro's rescue dog getting severely sick from COVID is her worst nightmare. Because she is much older, um, absolutely. I think she is a lot more susceptible um, to it. To ease the fear, she wants her staffy vaccinated. I would feel like so helpless and so defenseless knowing that possibly there was something that possibly could have saved her. Would you vaccinate your pet? Absolutely, why not? I absolutely would. Okay, I'm gonna do this every time this happens. I just walked into a restaurant, I had my mask, and people were waiting, not eating, without masks on. What the fuck, people? Wear your mask! Wear your mask! It's the law! The important thing is here is that we have societal hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a, is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters, too. You know, I put, I, I, I could, you can name a thousand, you know, Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan. I can't wrap my head around this. Well, I'll help you. Put a period out of the word Jesus and don't question my faith. Well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. It's like, what is a woman? Well, can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. I think the problem for the Democrats right now is, is not that they have bad leaders. They have bad followers. All right, let's get to the first question. Rachel is the guest. We begin with you. What set off your sulfur detector from Aaron's montage this week? <laughs> I was going to say the press conference. That was just two hours of uh, one of the most egregious things we've ever seen. But now watching that montage back, I had forgotten about all of the civilians, all the thing, all the people outside of D.C., what they've been saying this week about the unvaccinated. I feel like there was another uh, anti-upped when it came to how those who are unvaccinated are treated. Obviously, I'm here in Washington, D.C. We're living in week one of what it's like to not be able to go into any of these uh, buildings or restaurants without a vaccine card. So I think that seeing how what an MSNBC, MSNBC host said a couple weeks ago or a couple like last year. Now seeing our neighbors saying that about us is honestly kind of scary. I've seen some members of Congress say that they are no longer going to be dining at the Capitol Hill Club because of the ban you're talking about. And, and I've seen people say, oh, wow, what a sacrifice. Folks, I'm just telling you right now. If you ever, ever have ever eaten at the Capitol Hill Club, and I have, I, I was Mark Meckler of the Convention of States guest there uh, a couple of years ago. And it's one of the best meals I've ever ate in my entire life. That's a hell of a sacrifice. I promise you. <laughs> right? Don't, don't, don't think like there you're not, you're not, somebody's not truly 
uh, down with the struggle and the suffering because that place is phenomenal. Todd, what do you think? Well, I have a deep level of contempt for that entire uh, dog vaccination story, and I'm a dog lover, but dear God. But I'll reset what I did uh, earlier this week with uh, Don Levin. You obviously have uh, no problem, uh, Donnie, doing your own research on whatever the hell you think uh, a relationship is, what a marriage is. How anatomy works, how how the human body operates. So there's that. But also, you know, you're a so-called journalist. I was, too. That's what you do. If you're a journalist, you, you do your own research on like, that. That's what you did. Everything. That's what you did. That you didn't go to school for, <laughs> like on medicine and education and sport. That you, you 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 go into the archives, you get on your computer, and you research stuff, and then you write about it. So, not shocking that you have zero self awareness, but there we are. Uh, what what a journalist does now is claim to virtue signal on the side of the poor and the oppressed as they print out uh, or cut and paste uh, emails and press releases from big uh, pharma conglomerates and just run them as unskeptical news and facts. That That's what they do. That's what they do now. Yes. Aaron. My favorite was the uh, the dog vaccination story out of Australia, and I, I placed that right after Don Lamont on purpose Because the people in that story obviously didn't do their own research. They weren't stuck up. They were listening to the experts. They were listening to the people who were telling them what they needed to do in order to serve and protect the greater good. And now they think that they need to get their dogs vaccinated. What about those who have, I don't know, um, pet fish? Can we vaccinate fish now, too? What about, uh, you know, plants? Can we vaccinate the plants? Can we vaccinate the trees? Impossible vaccines! Can we we vaccinate the old grove? (laughs) While we do our, I like uh, to mourn the exact, old. <laughs> yes, can we vaccinate those? Can we vaccinate anything? That some people have pet rocks. Can we vaccinate those rocks? See, those are the people. Those are the people of science, Don Lamont. Those are the people that listen to you. Those are the people that you've been waiting for. Those are the people who want to vaccinate everything that moves and some of the things that actually don't. Those are the people that you have created. That's the monster you have created. Suck on it. Indeed. All right, then. I think we've, uh, we're done here. Uh, let's get to the exit question on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the odds that Lindsey Graham has ever seen in decent proposal, and 10 being the odds that he has watched Brokeback Mountain repeatedly. Rank this week's level of total depravity. Rachel. Nine, only because it's the beginning of a new year, and I'm still hopeful that things will get worse. <laughs> while you're li- She's hopeful while living in an apartheid city, folks. She yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she, keep hope alive. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Todd. Ten. Aaron. Ten, just because of the ranking system. Uh, folks, you've got 360 places from your neck down to your feet uh, that are called joints, and each and every one of those are openings and opportunities for inflammation to seep in, and those joints take a beating daily, especially as we get older, even if we're active and healthy. You know, our joints don't tend to, you know, de-age. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory like Omega XL, because chances are the chronic pain you're dealing with is caused by too much inflammation in the body. Omega XL, backed by decades of clinical research in the last couple of years of me using it on a daily basis. So I can personally attest to its effectiveness, and you want to try it right now, buy one bottle, 
get a second one for free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Let's get to issue two. Old man yells at Cloud, otherwise known as Biden's press conference. Joe Biden took questions at a press conference this week, and boy, howdy, was it something. Do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. Uh, and, and to go for an hour and 50 minutes, hour and 45 minutes, and not screw up, really demonstrably not screw up really at all. It's really hard to do that. Why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. But the best answer was, hey, if you think I'm senile and I'm doddering, you get up here and try to do an hour and 45 minutes in front of you and your colleagues and not screw up. He didn't. I thought it was the best demonstration of the fact that the president's mind is perfectly fine. So I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. Okay, let's start. You know what, Rachel, let's go back to you again, because you're there literally in the belly of the beast. Uh, Let's start. First question here on the Biden press conference. What was that? (laughs) Here's what I don't understand about Biden's team. They go from zero to 10. They go from hiding him in a basement. They go from not releasing him at all or allowing him to take questions for months on end. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's put him out there for two hours and see how many wars he can get in with countries while he's up there at the podium. That's what I don't understand. Like the media is not going to be questioning uh, why he's been hiding. Nobody there asked him, hey, this is the first time we've seen you in a really long time. Let's do it again. Why? Why did the Biden team think that it was good to put him out there for two hours when we saw yesterday and even today they're having to do cleanup on aisle nine. Jen Psaki went on Fox News of all places just to do some cleanup. So I don't even understand the strategy, but it was exactly what we've expected him to say, just rambling and getting angry. Uh, uh, Rosen's question to him was fantastic about his cognitive ability, but he's not going to get any pushback at all. And the fact that the media is all saying, oh, wow, it was the longest in U.S. history. I think that... I don't know. It laid bare even more so that he is not fit. But also the media is kind of now having propped him up for so long, having to figure out how to cover. And it sounds like they're just, you know, doing pieces on Ron Klain. There's a piece today saying, oh, his chief of staff may not be serving him well. It will never be Biden's fault when it comes to the media. So maybe the strategy works for him. I don't know why they put him out there for that long. Well, there's four of us on this on this panel right now. You're the only one that's worked inside of a White House. So Try as best as you can to be to empathize. You're in this position uh, beyond your own partisan lens. What do you think they think they were accomplishing by doing this? I think they know two things. One, that he won't ever get pushback on policies. Two, I think they actually legitimately think that they've done a good job. And this was going to be a victory lap like they had put out a press release 
about an hour before he steps out at the podium touting their top 15 accomplishments of, of his first year. None of them had anything to do with the main issues that Americans are talking about, inflation, the border, et cetera. Most of them were climate change things that nobody cares about except for his, his lefty base. I don't know why they put him out there except for they are <laughs> under the delusion that he actually was going to get props for everything he did in a year. You actually may have somewhat answered it in what you just said there a minute ago. I mean, they're, they're sitting with, uh, you know, 30, 35 percent levels of, uh, of approval right now in some of these surveys. And, and so that means you're now eating into your own base. And I mean, that, that's that's how you, you, you go from, uh, you know, you're going to have a bad midterm to something of, of a historical significance. Um, the biggest one year defeat uh, that Republicans have ever dealt Democrats in a midterm, for example. And then unless you have the personality of a Bill Clinton uh, or a Barack Obama, because it kind of happened to him too, you're you're basically dead man walking. I mean, your presidency's dead in the water right now. So I wonder if this was about nothing other than trying to see if they could get their numbers back to say above 40 and within some form of a fighting chance, they, they can maybe try to solidify their base here and be in some form of a fighting chance if they can figure out how to choose this Omicron on-ramp and get things somewhat back to normal again. What are your thoughts on that, Rachel? Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably just as good as any other answer that any of us can come up with because it really honestly makes no sense. I mean, you're seeing the cover of, I think it was Time magazine that has him with storm clouds above it on the cover of the magazine. So, I mean, listen, there are... Uh, I think he's making a play for getting the base in line to protect him, maybe uh, stop the hemorrhaging that will happen in 2020. There really is no, there is no other reason why you would put him out there when his numbers A, are so low, B, he can't string a sentence together, and C, he's his buddies in Europe didn't do him a solid by saying, hey, we're going to get on the on, off ramp before mm-hmm. you, and he's up there um, buckling down. So I do not know why. Obviously, he has no other option as far as putting Kamala Harris up there. She won't do him any good. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's probably a play for the base. I think that this may reveal something else, Todd. Remember, I've always said these guys on the inside, on both sides, they have these numbers and better, better versions of them before we do. That what we see in the public are lagging indicators of the actual real situation. Okay, and uh, and and so I, I wonder if doing this is tacit admission that their internal numbers show that one of the big factors is people just don't think he's fit to be president, and they had to, regardless of what answers he gave, they they kind of had to cross that threshold and Rubicon by putting him up there for so long to show that he's not completely and totally a dithering fool, that this is a real thing, that this is really internally, it is hemorrhaging them some level of support. And that's why they did this. What do you think? Uh, I think that's true, um, but that's only possible within a certain environment. And Aaron knows the answer to this because he put together the montage. We saw right there a symphony that they can count on over and over and over again. Look at that slurp fest. I'm way more embarrassed for the press than I am for Joe Biden in this particular scenario, but that's what you can count on. And it's what happened when we go all the way back to when we were covering pre-COVID and we were covering this presidential election and Biden, no shot, no shot, no shot. And everybody, the progressives were hoping for the next, for Buttigieg or Sanders, somebody, 
to grab the American people and have in that moment. That didn't happen. So they chose the moment for themselves. And the moment was going to be this this guy will do anything, say anything, be anything to be president of the United States. So we are just going to uh, be puppet masters. That's going to be good enough for this. And really, they don't care about losing this election. They know that's part of the whole uh, Hegelian dialect for them, which they are winning over and over again. Yeah, so what? Republicans get Congress back. They had it all. They had Trump. What I know you guys think DeSantis is going to be the next guy, maybe. We'll do to DeSantis what they did to Trump. And Republicans in no way terrify them. They make them, you know, mad, irritated and stuff like that. But they, there is this game right here. A press. We're going to queue up Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks is going to be w- willing to do it. We're not learning lessons out there. People want to go back to normal for their selfish reasons. But do you think there's a great awakening about uh, the, the fundamentals of America out there? No. This is this is an example. What Aaron put together right there is the brainwashing of America, and it works over and over and over again. Rachel, let me go back to you for a response to that. What do you think? Yeah, you know, as Todd was as Todd was talking, I was thinking uh, maybe they're putting him out there for the exact opposite reason, not to confirm that he's still alive and it's a proof of life <laughs> a moment, <laughs> but maybe they're trying to set him up to. Show him, show the world how cognitively uh, inept he is. Get rid of him in the next couple months and stave off the next three years because nobody knows he can last. Everybody knows he can't last the next three years, and you're starting to see other people starting to point that out. So maybe they put him out there. Call me conspiracy theory theorist to say, you know what? Listen, maybe we should get rid of him. You guys saw how terrible he was. Let's get rid of him and put somebody else in. I don't know. Aaron, I think Todd is on the right track here. We had Thomas Massey, Congressman Massey, on the show yesterday, and he mentioned in passing rumblings that he's hearing about the House putting together yet another yet another stimulus uh, package, sending out, uh, you know, cutting checks to every American, something like that, before the end of the year. And that got me to thinking. Because you're, you're right, there are political realities and election realities that the White House and Democrats in Washington have to face. I think the rest of the time, they just don't care. They just don't care. They're not afraid of Republicans. They don't care that inflation is making things incredibly miserable and very tight and hard for millions of Americans. They just don't care. They don't care. They don't care that uh, people are still, uh, um, still you know, not back to work. They don't care that gas is as high as and expensive as if they actually cared, they would go outside of their progressive boxes and the progressive utopian views and try to do something to fix it so that they, you know, these people wouldn't get pissed at them. They just don't care. That's what I think that that's what I think this is. But now that it's election year, time to start not necessarily throwing bones quite yet, but start start acting like, you know, well, you know, um, start start being acting like you're cognizant. Of people outside of the, the DC bubble. I, I think I think we learned this from uh, Barack Obama a little bit, and we're learning this now. That the communist this is to to the communist, this is actually going exactly to plan. Yep. And I go back I go back to what we talked about, I believe it was last week, talking about inflation. The Federal Reserve could raise interest rates at any time, and that would that would help ease inflation just a little bit, but they don't do that. Why? 
You know, all of these things that, that could be eased, the Democrat, the communists uh, that are running the show over in the White House, they don't do. Why? Because either they don't care or it's going to plan. So I, I don't really think, I don't really think this um, press conference was anything other than, um, you know, it's a little bit dodgy for us politically right now with this guy's uh, ineptitude. So we'll throw him out there for a little bit. Otherwise, you know, we'll just cut Americans another check this year and that'll solidify our base good enough. I, I just don't think they care. Rachel, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think both of you, both Aaron and Todd are right about as far as uh, not not only the left not caring about Republicans, but Republicans not giving them a reason not to care about us. Because you saw what the McCarthy's plan will be when we come back in majority this next year. And it's absolutely horrific. You're seeing that members of Congress of the Republican Party saying just this next week, just this last week, hey, let's work together with bipartisan uh, groups on immigration reform when we take it back. And, to, you know, um, you mentioned the Capitol Hill Club and those who are now saying, you know what, maybe we won't uh, go there if they are requiring a vax mandate. There have been three Republicans, three Republicans on the House side that have said we're going to cancel our membership to the Capitol Hill Club mm -hmm. because they make us show our vax card. There's members of Congress, Republican members of Congress that say, no, we should we should show it. It's the law of the land. So Republicans have shown themselves to be completely feckless going into 2020, and they've given the uh, left a reason not to want to care about them. It's a sensitive question for me to ask you, but hopefully we've known each other long enough that I can get away with it. And it's something that I think our audience would want me to ask you, Rachel. You've worked in a White House that faced these kinds of approval numbers. They weren't quite this low, but they were at times in the 30s. And it was into a, heading into a midterm election. What was your sense of urgency within that ecosystem? How aware of it were you? How concerned were you? How, how, how many conversations were there about how do we get ahead of this and change this narrative, it's a different situation. I mean, first of all, you guys had a phenomenal economy and this, these numbers were going against you anyway. So the antidote is different here than what we're dealing with with, with, with this regime. It, it's largely policy-based, but can you maybe address that? Because I think a lot of people want to know if they even just moderated a little bit, man, on some of this, it would ease a lot of this tension and benefit them. And yet, as Aaron points out, they don't on anything. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that doesn't work, and I think there were conversations that happened when I was at the White House. You're seeing uh, the CDC director saying it this week, just blaming messaging. The reason why we're not being very we're not very popular right now, the reason why uh, our numbers are so low going into midterms is because the American people just don't understand what we've been saying. That does not work at all. And I'll tell you, when I was in the White House, granted, I wasn't there on the political team at all. I was there with the Office of Management and Budget. So I, I didn't do a lot of the politicking on the election side. But what I will say is, you know what you do when you're uh, you're looking like you're underwater on uh, folks that are going to come out and support you? Uh, you're going to, A, do uh, you're going to speak very clearly about what's going on and how you're going to help people. But also, you're going to double down on what you know will work. And going out there and blaming the Fed, for example, on, on inflation is one of the most ridiculous things ever. You've got to at least have some common sense and some common sense on like basic economics. And so he's defying reality. And I think one thing that you have to do when you work in a White House is realize, listen, the real problems that Americans are facing, you're going to have to talk about it and figure out a way to deal with it. You can't go off and talk about climate change in Europe. That's not what people care about. Okay. Exit question. If Joe Biden's approval rating 30 days from now were lyrics to a Beastie Boys song, which Beastie Boys song lyrics would they be? A, 
You're scheming on a thing that's a mirage. B, I'm like Sam the Butcher, bringing Alice the Meat. One of my all-time favorite song lyrics, by the way. C, my number's beyond what you can dial. Todd, what do you think? You're scheming on a thing that's a mirage. Rachel. Uh, numbers are beyond the dial, for sure. Uh, so you, you think it's going up, is what you think? Or, lo- or, no, or it's going to go I, that low? That low. I mean... To be fair, I've never listened to a Beastie Boys song in my life, and I don't know why we, we pick these these boomer songs for these metrics. Boomer songs? Games. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I'm sorry. Did, did, I'm sorry. Did, did, have we lost Rachel's feed? Yeah. Boomer songs. I have visions wow. of house parties with drunken friends on tables. Doing sabotage. Doing sabotage. Yes. And that's just been categorized under the heading Boomer. boomer. Our next sponsor is Cialis. Uh, Aaron, go ahead. I love that Rachel just called you guys boomers. That's one of my favorite moments on the Friday show. Uh, it is numbers beyond the dial, meaning, you know, They'll continue ours to go goes down, down to ne- negative one, basically. All right. Very quickly, yes or no answer. Is there an approval rating number here that is so low that they get rid of him? Todd. And we see it happen this year. Todd. No. Rachel. Yes. Aaron. No. Hmm. I will right, come back. And um, let's talk about whether we have found the new John McCain, or at least the individual that is angling for this, or if this is some unfair criticism. Uh, we'll get to that and more here as we continue with part two of the Dace Group next. Because, again, I I absolutely believe in sacrificing for my audience. Uh, I bit the bullet and sampled yet another in my stash of chocolate chip cookie dough built bars. And and I have to, again, I I know that a lot of you are like, man, he cares. I do. And that's why I keep eating those chocolate chip cookie dough built bars, because I care about you. And I want to make sure that the testimony I'm giving uh, is is current and consistent and accurate. And so I can once more uh, report to all of you listening and watching right now that the chocolate chip cookie dough is rem- and, and will remain uh, number one uh, among flavors uh, in my Built Bar power ratings. But all of their flavors are good, even if they're not quite as good as chocolate chip cookie dough. But I am a little biased. I think chocolate chip cookie dough should be its own food group. If you want to try the greatest protein bar of all time, whether it's cheesecake or lemon or chocolate covered cherries or chocolate caramel, chocolate coconut, whatever you're looking for, whatever your sweet tooth is that you're like, I wish there was a healthy version of this. Now there is. And it's called Built Bar. It's the greatest protein bar of all time. Go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T to get yours or to get more today. Use my last name, Dace, as the promo code. Keep using it if you want. Keep getting that 15% off. Promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, at built.com for Built Bar. Let's welcome back Rachel Semmel from the Center for Renewing America. We were having a a brief conversation here during the break, Rachel, and I want to ask you a question. What exactly does Kamala Harris do well? (laughs) 
she's like her own uh, headhunter. She she clearly knows where to find people to hire them because she's had to hire a new person every day for the last month. I think that might be the only thing she can do well. I, I don't think that there is any discernible talent or party trick that she has that anybody else oh, that there's has ever a party done trick. politics in their life. Well, okay. I Okay, Jesse Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is... Lots of people have used that parlor trick in the past, okay? Um, that's not even a unique thing either. So what is she good at? I, I, I've never seen on a national level someone as talentless as... as I, feckless would be a compliment. Like, she can't even drive her own uh, pure ambition. She can't do anything. Well, she cannot do anything. I think that's not... Rachel, again, you living there, I think that's actually not unique to her. She's been play acting for a long time. And this is, uh, heck, Steve, uh, you talked about this uh, regarding Paul Begala and uh, subsequently uh, wrote about it as well. You know, there's there's a lot of people who are, they buy into it. They, they This is the role. These are the talking points. And then... Lo and behold, they actually, I would. I know where you're going. Become it. I would believe it if she that she got away with it for this long. If she had not tried to run for president on her own and got less than one percent driven from is the she's race, surrounding it's by- already been shown that she has no talent and ability, and she was rejected from her own base. And they're like, "Let's run it back." I mean, what you're basically saying is, in more ways than one, she is the living embodiment of the Peter Principle. When she's and there's a lot of her, so she's insulated. I mean, there's just a lot of her. Okay. I, I, I'm just telling you. Shop here, go ahead, Rachel. If you go to a coffee shop here in DC, uh, there's a lot of coffee shops. My favorite coffee shop around the corner from me has pictures everywhere of RBG and Kamala Harris. You can't go into a coffee shop here in DC where her merch is not sold. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I just, I've never seen anybody demand? with less ability in my career in either party. Nobody. No, and I, in fact, I can't even think of like who I would put in second place, like I previously had in that position. Because I'd never considered that someone could be Get, this talentless, okay, until she came along. Rachel, wherever you are, walk out the door. She'll grab somebody in five minutes that is that person and right. show them to you because they're everywhere in D.C. That's how they get to D.C. I, I, how many times have you been to D.C.? A handful. Okay. I mean, I've been there quite a bit. I've never seen anything like her, like ever. I, I just, I've just never seen anything with a less talent ability and connectivity it's like that's not a real human being like ever i've never seen any like her but let's go to the well it's not go ahead it's rachel not even just not talent it's like she does stuff that you're like you should know the ropes by now yes for example when she's doing charlemagne the god and having her staff pretending like she's breaking up yes nobody does that that's not even a talent thing yeah, that's just yeah, a yeah. common I, sense I, thing. I agree i mean she's she's living cringe that's what she is living cringe let's get to issue three Have we found the new John McCain? Aside from talking a good game on Twitter and then voting the opposite direction on numerous issues, Dan Crenshaw was back in the conservatives' figures crosshairs this week, largely stemming from a recent town hall where he was asked by a young girl to explain these comments he made on a YouTube podcast two years ago. The important thing is is that we have societal hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. 
real characters too. You know, I put I, I, I could, we could name a thousand. You know, Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan. I can't wrap my head around this. You will, I'll help you. Put a period after okay. the word Jesus and don't question my faith. Wow. You moron. At that same town hall, Crenshaw was asked about the January 6th political prisoners. What have you done to help any of these people that are being held without any due process? There is no due process. They're political prisoners. Representative Crenshaw, what have you personally done to help get them out? Look, I agree with you. You can't, and this is a problem throughout the country, you cannot, you cannot hold somebody without due process and without a, a swift trial. You just can't. Um, they are doing it. And what, what, what power do we have? I wish, I wish I could tell you something, that there's a bill we could pass, that we had the majorities. I wish, I wish there was. Have you, have you done anything to help, is my question. Uh, look, look, like I said, what would what, like what? Your, your congressman that, that represents the state of Texas, is there anything else you can do? I mean, do we throw our hands up and say, I'm sorry? I mean, if I, if I went and saw them, that would gain a lot of attention for me and do nothing for them. That's the truth. That's the truth. I, if, if, you want, if, you want their, if you want a performance, they can give you a performance. Uh, okay. I don't. I, I wish I had the authority to help. I just. We do not. I, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you we have authorities that we don't. If there's nothing you can do, why do we need you? Right. Hey, hey. I'm not a dictator, sir. If you want to elect dictators, then you wouldn't live in America. So there's been this long simmering feud between MAGA World and Dan Crenshaw that I've only recently become more aware of. And I'm, uh, my understanding now is he's got links to the Young Leaders uh, uh, group at the World Economic Forum. Isn't that like uh, part of the Great Reset people and things of that nature? So um, I've never met Dan Crenshaw. I've never had him on the show. Uh, I will tell you, I'm, I've got a lot of political connections in Texas, obviously, given my previous work. And none of them have any real good connections to Dan Crenshaw. So that I find fascinating. Okay. Uh, but uh, Rachel, we'll start with you again. All right. Is... MAGA world unfairly picking on Crenshaw here, or um, at least a little bit, or have they smartly smelled a rat? What do you think? I have been waiting years. I've been waiting months to say what I'm about to say now. <laughs> I will tell you that there, I'm going to give people a pass for not realizing in the last couple of years who Dan Crenshaw was because he talks a good game. In fact, he's kind of like a, a fun pinata at a birthday party that looks really fun. And as soon as you hit it, like out comes parking tickets. You think he looks really great. And then you realize, oh, what's under the hood? Well, what's under the hood is somebody who voted to draft our daughters. What's under the hood is somebody who went on The Daily Show, said climate change is man-made, and has gone over to Europe to talk about climate change, and voted for massive spending bills during the COVID era without reforms at the border. He says one thing and then does the other. I can understand people not seeing through that because he has been very vocal. He goes on Fox, says talking points that a lot of people would like. However, the last couple of months, he's gotten a lot bolder. He's been doing uh, fundraisers with the Lincoln Project folks. He's been mm -hmm. doing fundraisers with Kinzinger. He's, you know, he's ripping out of the, the Nancy Mace playbook of trying to sound like Liz Cheney when you can and then going back home and pretending you love the base. And then last month, before we saw these clips that you just showed, last month he does this 
oh, let's vote for a vaccine database uh, at a time when vaccine mandates are a real problem. And then let's record a video of ourselves telling the base that they're too stupid to understand his vote. Thus, they're the problem, not him. So Dan Crenshaw has been a problem for a long time, and I'm glad he's finally just ripped the bandaid off, exposed himself for truly the fraudster that he is. And the last thing I'll say about him is he likes to call the Freedom Caucus the grifters. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know any other rank and file member of Congress that has their own merchandise shop on their website selling their own athletic line with their faces on it. So he is the grifter in all of this, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Mm. Gentlemen, try to follow that. Does he have a wonderful singing voice? Uh, does he wear a mask? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's pretty brutal. Aaron, you want to try? Not really. Or is that I, your thoughts? I, I will. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Todd. Uh, there's no way you intended to set this up with the comparison, but it's perfect. It's perfect. He He's Kamala Harris. You just mentioned the merch thing with both of them, Rachel. That's my point. They're everywhere there. He, it doesn't matter that he served his country. It's, it, we, I, didn't we figure that out about John McCain? Like, huh? And people are, gave him, John McCain, years upon years upon years of that story. They're not willing to give this guy that uh, anymore. Like you said, Rachel, you know, you can understand two years, but th- that, that's all we're giving him, this guy. But he's that thin, ultimately, once he gets to D.C., in terms of what his modus operandi is, his capacity, like, listen, as cringe as, do you remember how cringe it was when uh, Kamala was, uh, the thing we should be doing is the thing we are already doing? That was really cringe, but that was no better or worse than what we just heard over and over again And this. He's not good at this. And he's not, as you just also said, uh, Rachel, about while she's there, she's not getting better, she's not learning. He's not either. He's getting worse because he doesn't care about getting better according to the things we think he should be getting better about. He's the grifter. And so is she. And so are most of the people in Washington, D.C. And we're the dummies who take it over and over again. How's that? That's pretty good. That wasn't bad. I think he's got more talent than Kamala Harris. He And... Uh, at least he he comes with an eye a cool eye patch, okay. I mean, and I'm certain if you talked with Kamala him for Harris, 15- could not have even held the conversation uh, that Crenshaw was attempting to have on that podcast about fake and she's not even capable of that. She could not do Listen, that. But she's a she's a Democrat. You told me this a long time ago before I even worked for you about getting into the business. And still, yeah, you're pretty cynical, but just having a certain bar, like, you mm-hmm. must be able to do I, this. I tried to and talk you, you out of this, getting into this. You business. told me this 15, 20 years ago, like, there's, amongst our side, mm-hmm. Todd, there's no there there. You said, you know yeah. this to be true about these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It is fascinating. At least McCain would have would have would have known how to be nice and or and or lie in that setting, and then gone on meet the press like the following Sunday and said Jesus is a completely fictional figure, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean McCain understood how to play this. This guy going there in front of his own base, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it works out. Let's get to the exit question: If Crenshaw's ultimate political future were a rock band name. Which rock band name would it be? A, Presidents of the United States of America. Remember them? They had like that one album in the 90s. I do remember, remember them. them. Yeah, okay. Uh, B, Rat, with two Ts. Or C, Talking Heads. Aaron. Um, 
The the second one. Rat? Yes, thank you. Okay. Todd. Talking heads. He's going to be working at CNN or MSNBC <laughs> soon. Okay. So you think he's the next John Kasich, but with a cool eye patch. All right. Yep. Rachel Semmel. I'm going to go with number two. I think the base is finally seeing through him and got to pat ourselves on the back as a movement. We aren't putting it up with it as long as we would for, say, John McCain. So I think he's going to be out of here and useless. All right. Let's get to the quick kicker topic. Issue four, if you could primary one sitting Republican out of their seat right now, anywhere in America, and handpick their successor, who would it be? Rachel. Do, do, they, do they have to be in the same district or can I just be across state? No, lines? anywhere in the country. All right. I'm going to say I'm going to get rid of Mitch McConnell because I'm a broken record and I can't get past that. And I'm going to say I want somebody like Chip Roy to take over his seat. Okay. That was exactly my answer. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Aaron. Uh, Mike DeWine and his successor would be me. Would be you? Yeah. Aaron is governor of Ohio? Yep. I like it. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, we'll start with you. I just don't trust anybody. That's why. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do this myself. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So predictions for this weekend's action. I, I've got the Packers. I've got the Bengals. I've got uh, the Buccaneers. I think they're going to surprise, although it's not that big of a surprise. And I have the Bills as well. <laughs> this is pathetic. Just, I mean, gosh, he's pathetic. Todd. <laughs> Aren't you a Lions fan or something? That's how I know what pathetic is. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, in the unthinkable here, uh, Nate, Nate, your boy, uh, Iowa boy who won player of the year last year, he's already gone and I can't think of his name. Oh, Garza. Garza. Yeah. Second year in a row, uh, two uh, non-traditional Basketball powerhouses, Iowa and then Wisconsin, are going to have the National Player of the Year. Johnny Davis is going to win National He's Player of the Year. Good. Rachel, you don't have to make a sports prediction. Go ahead. What's yours? Well, I, I'm i still reeling from the Purdue-IU loss, but uh, Purdue's going to be in the Final Four this year, so it doesn't matter. Uh, my prediction is that the big march going on today, March for Life, and the big uh, anti-vaccine mandate march going on Sunday, two big, huge marches for the movement here in D.C., are going to get zero coverage, just like they get every year. What are all those people going to do when they descend on D.C. and they're not jabbed? And the stores, gas stations, they're just going to... I, 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 that'll be a it's fascinating a, thing to watch for the next couple it's of a days. Good, it's a good question. However, Mariel Bowser, our... Our esteemed mayor and all of her wisdom did say there's a caveat. You can unjabbed go into a, res- a restroom only if you're using the restaurant. Or uh, you can go into a restaurant only if you're using the restroom. Okay. So Thanks. if you have to pee, you're covered, but you just can't eat. Okay. All right. Uh, my prediction is if DeSantis wins re-election this year, next year, he will be the favored 2024 presidential candidate of a majority of Fox News programming, including both Tucker and Laura. That's my prediction. Mm. Rachel, good to see you as always. Appreciate you. Thanks for jumping on, okay? We'll come back. Feedback Friday coming your way next here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd and Aaron McIntyre, all of you. 
Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for us as well on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. It's at Steve Dace Show on Getter, by the way. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show is where you can get free clips of the show that are also free of censorship. And for those of you that are part of our large and growing podcast audience, thank you so much. Uh, if you've uh, had not had a chance to do this yet, please leave us a five-star review uh, as well as hit the subscribe or follow button, whichever applies on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. You're a big part of our show's continued growth. Also want to let you know uh, about our friends over at Home Title Lock. And you have homeowner's insurance for a very good reason, because there's so much of your worth for a lot of us tied into your home. And it's the most valuable asset for a lot of us uh, that if if something catastrophic were to happen, a flood, a fire, a serious burglary, the damages incurred uh, or ensued could end up uh, leading to us uh, reaching some form of financial ruin. So you have insurance against those kinds of things happening to you. But there's one more thing you need to be concerned about. It is called home title fraud, one of the fastest growing crimes out there because a lot of our home's titles are kept in public databases. And home title thieves log on looking for high equity homes. Uh, and then they uh, forge your signature onto what's called a quick claim deed to make it look like you have uh, signed your home's title over to them so that they can start now liquidating your equity. And often you won't find out until the kinds of calls and emails you never want to see start showing up. All right, so don't let this happen to you. Put a virtual barrier around your home's title with our friends at HomeTitleLock.com. In fact, if you go there right now, register your address to make sure you're in the free and clear still at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, use the promo code RADIO for a 60-day money-back guarantee. A 60-day money-back guarantee for HomeTitleLock.com promo code RADIO. A couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, TSA has confirmed today Ted Cruz brought this up the other day, and he was, uh, fake news, it's not true. Uh, TSA is confirming that illegals are actually able to use an arrest warrant as photo ID to get through airport security. Hey, Hydra. I don't even know. I just don't even know. What, I, I don't even know. How, how do you, I don't know how to, that's, that's, that's a Mike Judge film. I mean, that's, that's idiocracy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that is, you know, I, I don't even want to say to that. I mean, that's. You know, parenting advice from Taco Bell. I mean, I just don't even know what to say. Did they get their arrest okay. warrant at Costco? Yeah, I just. Oh my I, it's 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 a true story. It's 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 yep. it's true. It is true. Remember what I said? Once you accept transgenderism, yes, kaboom. Also, uh, a federal judge in Texas today has put a universal injunction on Biden's attempt to impose jab mandates on federal workers. So right now, the only jab mandate that is that Biden has attempted that is in full effect is the one that was on healthcare workers. But that one is actually still being adjudicated. Okay, so the Supreme Court didn't uphold it. They just refused to stop it for now. And they're allowing the adjudication of that one to continue on. There have been a total of five. If you count the military one, the military one is no longer in full effect. They are now. Uh, being uh, ordered to more seriously consider religious exemptions. They lost that case about a week or two ago because, uh, you know, almost an entire year had gone by and they hadn't accepted one single religious exemption in the entire U.S. military, right? 
So they've, they've tried five of these, the Biden regime has, and only one of them is still in its original form. And that one is still being adjudicated. And it was only allowed to continue to be enforced by a five to four vote. What do you think any of that means? Three of them are not even in a, one of them has already been eliminated. Two of them are, are have an injunction against them. And then the, the, the fifth one, the military one has been ordered to um, amend itself to more seriously consider and accept religious exemptions. The one I'm most interested in, and I didn't, uh, and Steve, you came out and said, you know, what a, a trash job uh, the attorneys did um, in, in at the Supreme Court on this vaccination thing, and people were very frustrated uh, with the health, the, the rendering on the healthcare workers. I, I'm not, only because this is so much bigger than COVID on that particular issue. And as, as a, there's, whether we like it or not, and I, I hate it. But the, the default in doing that kind of work is take the jab, take the jab, way before COVID. And so they, they, they were actually acknowledging a precedent that is beyond COVID there. Um, and if, if they had ruled the other way on this, that would have had the most cascading potential mm-hmm. way beyond the issue of COVID. And there's just no way they were going to do that. Also, we got a ton of reaction as we get to Feedback Friday, man. We got a ton of reaction to you and I's soccer debate yesterday. A ton. It's always, it never ceases to amaze me what sets people off, given all the serious subject matter we address on this program all the time. But this one did. Uh, I, will, I will say that the majority of opinions were in my favor, but I am uncomfortable with the amount of support that you did receive um, because it was more than one. And anything above that has me uh, has my heart breaking for America. But you did receive a not insignificant amount of support. I should note that. Uh, and it and let me tell you the support you did receive. It's a little bit like you guys are like are like the the climate alarmist of sports fans, okay? Like mm-hmm. the the kind of support you got. It wasn't even, "Hey man, like your show. I think you're wrong on this, but it's all no, dude. Shut up. You're terrible. You're evil." You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it was militant. The, I mean, it was it was it was a militant. It wasn't large, but it was a militant level of opposition to my take on this. Like I had stepped on uh, their branch Covidian, um, uh, you know, uh, talking point. I was a little alarmed at that, frankly. Yeah, well, they're, they're, no, they're not like global. They're like anti-vaxxers. They've done their own research, and you were getting the Don Lemon crowd that just says, "I hate soccer," right? They've done their own research to align with all of the rest of the world that largely lives in darkness. Yes, they've done their own research to do that. Yes. Let's get on to our emails uh, and our Feedback Friday, shall we? I want to start, this one's not on my list, but I absolutely want to share it because it's timely right now. Um, uh, this is from Rocco. It says, I just, want, I just thought I'd give you a, an update from uh, my home state of New York. Cases, as you already knew, well exceeded their all-time high almost a month ago. Hospitalizations hit their highest point since April of 2020, about a week and a half ago. Yesterday, New York's deaths per day went above the winter 2021 daily average. Death numbers are still climbing and are likely to get even higher in the coming days and weeks. New York has 95% of adults with at least one jab, 
84% have a completed jab series. They still claim the unjabbed to be the issue, but at this point, that doesn't stand up to basic scrutiny. They say 95% of adults have at least one jab, which with their numbers would add up to 15,230,000 or so total adults. That would mean there are something like 2.467 million unjabbed or people with just one dose. 211 deaths per day in that group at a 30% infection rate, which is what they've tested at in New York City, would be an annualized death total of 77,015 people of a group, which totals only 740,000. That's a death rate of over 10%. That's Ebola, basically. Even if you claim every unjabbed person will get Omicron, the rate still exceeds 3.33%. Nationwide, the current case fatality rate for COVID, by the way, is 1.2%, and it's the infection fatality rate is 0.57%, in case you were wondering. Uh, in South Africa, the Omicron death rate was at least four times less than Delta's in a three-fourths unjabbed nation. But New York is going to claim a 10 times higher rate among the unjabbed who are disproportionately younger and therefore less COVID susceptible and also disproportionately in upstate counties, which have the lower overall death rates. Color me a skeptic. That, that's good citizenship right there. And I wanted to start with that because frankly, folks, that's, what, that's the level of detail it is going to take amongst all of us here. In order to call this bluff successfully, don't 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 go into the Valley of Elah and say, let's find out without your five smooth stones. All right. Don't 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 do it on instinct. Don't do it on emotion. Don't do it on anger. Do it on data and information and then let those things fuel your instincts, emotions and anger. So it's a righteous indignation and not a tantrum. Know the facts. Know what's going on. Call BS. We. I don't walk you through all this long-form data analysis to impress you with my intellect, although I'm totally fine if you are impressed. But that's not why I do it. I do it so you can do it. So you can do it. I'm not Rush Limbaugh. I don't have 20 million listeners. I'm not, I'm, I'm not omnipresent. I'm not God. I'm a guy with a reasonably successful podcast. <laughs> Right, And thankfully, I'm not alone. There's all kinds of others of us out there that also are reasonably successful banding together here to present you this information. But ultimately, real change happens when we do it. When we can do it on our own. When we walk in there and say, all right, I got this. So Rocco, I wanted to share that with the audience. That's outstanding work on your part, brother. Well done. All right, let's go to this from Shannon Hill. Uh, he writes, just wanted to let you know that I took your advice on going to the James Clinic, that's Dr. Molly James, uh, for COVID preparation back in November. In December, about two weeks after receiving the meds, I got a nasty case of COVID. I started the early treatment. I was better in less than 36 hours. The best news is that I did an antibody test last week, and it's positive. I'm 55 years old, and you guys' advice probably saved my life. Unlike a classmate of mine that was sent home until he couldn't breathe, the hospital collapsed his lung and his funeral was shortly thereafter. Thanks for all you guys do, and I'm really looking forward to your show this year, Your Brother in Christ, Shannon. I, I could do a whole show sharing these kinds of notes. And I could do a whole show sharing the kinds of notes of what happened to Shannon's classmate as well. 
So you're welcome, but I'd have nowhere to direct you if it weren't for people like Molly James and others that we have had on this show from Pierre Corey to Peter McCullough. Our, our colleague Daniel Horowitz has had even more of these kinds of people on his program. If it weren't for the fact there is a few hundred doctors out there, it's certainly less than a thousand, that are willing to stand up against this, against the, against the spirit of the age, and actually practice medicine. If it wasn't for them, I, I'd have nowhere to direct you to. So I'm just a referral service. So thanks to Molly and so many like her that have saved thousands and thousands of lives. Justin Hart is one of the first people that was in our group of people to begin pushing back on the COVID stand narrative right away. Yesterday, he put out an analysis, and Justin's one of the, the people that founded the Rational Ground website, by the way, that, you should, that should be a, a regular check for you if you want to be able to do what Rocco just did to his home state, okay? But um, uh, he just put out an analysis yesterday that if, if we took what they're now admitting about Omicron hospitalizations and deaths, the whole um, uh, died of versus died with or died for or, or, or with, right? Okay. If you took that back to the very beginning of the pandemic, same protocols, confirmed PCR test, all that stuff. Deaths drop in this country from over 880,000 to 259,000. The the CFR drops from like point from one point two to something like zero point six, I think it is. The infection fatality rate drops from zero point five eight to zero point one six, which is basically the infection fatality rate for a bad flu season like we had in two thousand and eighteen. And 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 that doesn't even count, by the way, still within those two hundred and fifty nine thousand people. And what we mean by that is people that COVID was a leading cause of death for. They still may have had those comorbidities, okay, but it was a leading cause of death for. It instigated it. It, it, it provoked those comorbidities into their deaths. It wasn't just um, a passenger on a dead body, okay? That still, though, doesn't count the amount of, of how many of those people could have been saved with early treatments. There is a massive study just published uh, this week out of Brazil and it, an entire Brazilian city, uh, something like over 150,000 people on, on just the ivermectin protocol. And what it found was a 68 to 70% reduction in mortality with ivermectin used timely as an early onset profit prophylaxis, 68 to 70%. Peter McCullough, who again, for those of you that have heard the name and don't recall, you're talking about a guy that started medical journals, published them, was America's obviously, or on her, arguably, I should say, America's most decorated cardiologist pre-COVID. Certainly was in a very exclusive list. Harvey Risch at Yale, who's a strong proponent of the hydroxychloroquine protocol. Harvey Risch at Yale is one of the most cited epidemiologists in the United States. He's been cited over, uh, over 10,000 times in academic journals. Peter McCullough estimates just looking at in, uh, medical information across the country that maybe up to 80% of people that were COVID deaths could have been saved with early effective treatments. Let's say he's wrong about that. Let's say he's exaggerated. Let's cut that number in half and say it's 40%. 40% 
That's still a tremendous amount of people that did not have to die. Didn't have to die. And now understand if you use Occam's razor, that in the face of that obvious science, the most obvious and logical explanation for not doing it is simply because in order to get an emergency uh, approval for a vaccine, one of the conditions is you cannot have alternative treatments yes. available. Yes. So that got in the way of their little money scam. And so they'd rather have people die in order to protect their bottom line. And no, I have no problem saying that. What? Oh, I'll go even so further than that. Ever. I'll go even further than that. I think they, are, they also gamed theory in that the majority of the people that would be the most inclined to, uh, to resist all of this would be people they wouldn't mind killing anyway because they won't vote the way that they want them to. They, 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 the people that were that are more individually minded, more liberty minded, less compliant. I think they're totally fine with that anyway. Yep. So I think that was just a fringe benefit. I think that was just an, a value added to this entire uh, paradigm. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I don't know what other conclusion you can come to. And I, it, it, you have to this stretch. This is not a conspiracy theory. No, it's it not. Is you have to, you have, that's exactly right. Which means whatever requires the fewest amount of assumptions is usually true. Okay. Um, Sometimes it's explained as the simplest explanation must be true. That's not entirely what it means, but it's, it's close. It really means whatever requires the fewest amount of assumptions must be true. And that's usually the simplest thing. But what else you have to concoct in order to answer all of these, all of these facts is far more incredulous to believe than just to believe what you just said. Yes. This is from Thomas Sutterfeld, who writes, A tale of woe and lamentation as I prepared for your obnoxiously long holiday break. I knew there would be both physical and psychological withdrawal symptoms. You see, I had become addicted to your shows, aggressively mediocre political commentary, and three weeks without my eighth favorite Blaze TV show was going to be difficult. First came the physical symptoms. My energy level increased because I didn't lie awake pondering life, altering questions like U2's best album and the rationality of a Marvel multiverse. And my night sweats, which were only mitigated by a pillow filled with frozen Bilt Bar Puffs, finally subsided. Then the psychological symptoms began. My confidence level returned as I was no longer being reminded weekly that Shannon Joy is more man than me and the fastest NCAA female swimmer combined. I stopped spontaneously sobbing and asked myself, what are you prepared to do? And my lungs stopped burning after I gave up on smoking a brisket without proper equipment training or expertise. There's a shot at everybody here. I love it, including himself. In summary, I feel generally melancholy as you return to the air because I know I will immediately reignite my daily routine of masochistic viewing. However, despite absence making the heart grow fonder, your show remains number five on my Mount Rushmore of political commentaries. You just can't quit us. Aggressively mediocre. Yes. I'm still stuck on that. I love it. Yes, that whole thing is great. All right. I can't wait to discuss this one. Ready? Corey Whitrock asks, would like you guys' reaction to the story about NASA hiring theologians to study human reaction to the realization of human of alien life. If you were one of those 24 theologians that they, they queried, what would you tell NASA? Aaron, I'll start with you. Well, first of all, I think they're going to do they're going to do what they did with COVID with aliens, except they're going to go full. Uh, what's the name of the 
the the villain from uh, Far From Home, Galactus or whatever his name is. Uh, Thanos. The, no, Far From Home. Oh, from oh, the Spider Man movie. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about um, uh, Mysterio. Mysterio. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're gonna go full Galactus. They're gonna go full Mysterio. I believe at some point they're gonna try to go full Mysterio with aliens at some point in the next answer. thirty to fifty years. I I really believe that. And they're laying the groundwork for studying how different religions would react so that they know how to counter that. That's what that's what I think this is. This is really now as far as uh, the theologians, the actual question that was asked here, I would say and it's the same answer. It's it's really quite simple Um, for me as a Christian. It really doesn't change anything. Uh, God's given me everything in God's word that I need. And aliens are not expressly. Uh, mentioned there, yeah, you can go back to, uh, I think it was Elisha or Elijah, I can't remember which one, and the wheels and the sky blob. You can talk about that if you want to. That's a favorite topic on ancient I, aliens. Yeah. They love uh-huh. that one. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but really, there's there's no explicit mention of extraterrestrial life in the universe. And, and from a Christian worldview as well, we've had this conversation on this show too. I, I don't think... I, I don't think that there can be, um, what was it? What what was the term? I don't think it was uh, intelligent life necessarily. If we're to, if if we're defining intelligence as having a soul, there's no. I don't think there's life like that out in the universe. I don't think there can be because we are uh, God's highest creation. So that's kind of a flavor of the answers that I would give. It doesn't really. It would be interesting, but it doesn't really affect us as as believers. Todd, what would you say? Uh, I'd be like, uh, thanks for the really cool swag, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, but, like, did you see that video last week of the priest slash, he had a collar on, I don't know if he was Catholic or something, uh, who was just saying that Jesus transgendered himself when he washed uh, the disciples' feet? Like, you're really worried about what we may or may not think about aliens? I mean... That ship has sailed, dudes. You got you got you got nothing to worry about. Just do do whatever you're gonna do. Like Shawshank, stamp your form, Sonny, because I don't give a damn. Really, there's what other than that? Maybe mess with them a little bit along Aaron's premise to get them thinking way off track. But I don't like that. I can't believe there's like genuine concern from a theological perspective. That's relevant to them. Yeah. I would be that guy and I would turn the conversation around and ask, how would you respond? What do you think the purpose, the ultimate purpose of human life is? And they would say security. Why, why do you think you're here? What, what, what framework did you choose these 24 theological perspectives? How did you come about that decision-making process? How much do you even know about them? Uh, and, and I would do that sort of a Socratic method or kind of a, uh, what, what Christ does in the gospels, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question of where my power to forgive sins comes from. If you tell me where John the Baptist got his power to baptize from, right? Okay. Throwing it back, reversing the premise here. I would do that because I would want to know 
what's the ultimate purpose of this conversation? Am I throwing pearls under swine? Or is there an earnest dialogue happening here? If there's an earnest dialogue, hell, I don't care if there's 74 theological perspectives sitting in the room and everybody goes back and forth, okay? But if it's really about how, if this event were to occur, how do we keep your people under control? I want to know that from the outset. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, I want to know their motivations. I want to know what their agenda is. I want to know why an institution that has, has largely proffered an irreligious viewpoint and a materialistic understanding of the universe suddenly is concerned what these 24 theological perspectives that you have previously not taken seriously would, would have to say about this kind of an event. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why are you suddenly concerned about what they would have to say now? Because I suspect that those, those 24 theological perspectives would not be welcomed into NASA to, give, to provide a viewpoint on virtually anything else, would they? Nope. On virtually anything else? Nope. So why now? Why on this? Because it seems to me this is more about, um, can you guys control your own people? How do we create a narrative? Uh, how do we just set a narrative, determine a narrative, and get your people to comply with it, as opposed to a, an earnest dialogue in search for truth? What are your thoughts on that? And maybe, and frankly, maybe I'm just projecting my experience for the last 23 months onto virtually everything now, but I am, I am, I'm going to admit that I am. Yeah, I am. And I'm even more skeptical about this because when we talk about science as the method and it's uh, exploration, I mean, this is, there's such vastness yet to explore. There's so many more unknowns than there are knowns like just go out there and do science and the church will be over here badly doing church like we're not even close in my estimation to any sort of critical mass that like have a conversation that would really concern them other than if i was being played somehow i just i don't and that's deeply, deeply cynical, but especially after what we've learned in the last couple of years about are there aliens, aren't there aliens, things like that. I don't, this feels part of something like that. This feels absolutely agenda driven to me. Because, because again, I want to reiterate on, in, in no other in no other area under its purview does NASA give a rip with these 24 theological perspectives thinks and probably ridicules them in most cases. So then now, so then suddenly now why on this one? And then why preemptively? Yeah. Do they ask us about abortion? Do they yeah, ask yeah, us exactly. about gender, yeah, marriage? Exactly. No, they're like you're a bigot. When you, when you put a unisex bathroom over there at Kennedy Space Center, did anybody ask the 24 oh. theologians what they thought about it? I, I, so this strikes me as an attempt to get a group of people, this stri- this is like out of a left behind book kind of a stuff. Yeah, this strikes me as a as, as as an attempt to create sort of a global consciousness narrative around an event that may or may not even be real. It might be completely fabricated. Mysterio. It might be, yeah, or it might be. Who knows? It, it might. Zephyrin Cochran might actually make first contact. Who knows? But this just seems preemptively like an attempt to have a narrative ready to go. 
Just, just, just saying if and when it goes down. That's what this strikes me as. Dare I say this is asking us to look up? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Or don't. Because I'll tell you what I thought when I first saw this story. Hell, I might have even done it. I don't remember now. I tweet too much. But, I mean, this is where I bust out the the um, Nikolai Carpathia, it's happening gif. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay? That's, that's what I first thought when I saw this. Because it's not, is this part even of an ongoing dialogue? Do they have these people back and think, you know what? We should have maybe been engaging you folks a lot sooner than this on various issues, you know? I don't, have, do you see that? No. So again, this strikes me as an attempt to get, have a narrative at the ready. This strikes me, what was the sh- series we talked about a couple of years ago uh, that was on Netflix and it only lasted one season? We were all blown away by the idea, is this really the, oh, yeah. is it really the Messiah or not? And I can't remember the name of it, okay? But this- Wasn't it called Messiah? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's what Messiah. it was called. Yeah. yeah. That, it was this, fantastic. This strikes me as something a little bit out of that. Actually, that this this looks to me like oh. how do we build and craft a narrative, not gonna, how we seek truth. They were going to do a second season. All of a sudden, somebody said abort. Maybe it was NASA because they were getting a little too close to home. Maybe. All right. More of your feedback here on a Feedback Friday when we come back. You know, if you're thinking about a car loan, a home loan, a business loan, uh, sometimes the best thing to do is wait three weeks. Why? Because if you get hooked up with our friends over at ScoreMaster, that's how long it can take to improve your credit score, maybe up to 60 points. Uh, And they've done that for thousands of people that they've helped over the years at ScoreMaster with technology developed by credit data scientists that helps you boost your credit score higher and faster than you thought possible mainly because it takes the information that has been withheld from you or is difficult for you to decipher, even if you get access to your credit credit report, and they make it uh, simple and plain for you. You know exactly the score you have and why, and then exactly how to get to the score you want. I used this service last year uh, in order to help me get an obscenely low credit rate for the refi at our house last fall. ScoreMaster, so easy. It takes just a minute to get started. You don't have to wait months for your best score. Try ScoreMaster for free and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score when you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. One more time, scoremaster.com slash Steve. Mad props. What a week this has been for opportunities. Uh, Matt Walsh's opportunity uh, in in front of a a large mainstream, the type of mainstream audience, frankly, our kind doesn't often get unfettered access to without some kind of a filter or uh, some kind of bias. And he took full advantage of that with Dr. Phil this week. So well done to Matt. Uh, Our friend Julie Kelly at American Greatness, a chance to testify today to Congress over what's going on with the January 6th political prisoners taking full advantage of that. So we, we wanted to make sure to give her a shout out for that as well. That's a, those are phenomenal opportunities for us to expand the, that Overton window and go on offense uh, in both of those areas. So congrats to both of those individuals. All right, let's get back to some more feedback Friday. Uh, where are we going next? Uh, we're going to this one. Uh, I am an oncology pharmacist in Northern New York. Last fall, we were mandated by the state to receive the jab. I initially requested, so again, oncology pharmacist, a cancer pharmacist. That's what this means, okay? 
this means this person is stupid. They are yeah. dumb. They don't know what they're talking about, right? Trust the experts. Indeed. Okay. Uh, last fall, we were mandated by the state to receive the jab. I initially requested and was granted a religious exemption. However, this was soon rescinded after the state won in court and the Supreme Court decided not to take up our case. I was then given, uh, they then gave me a choice of my job or the jab. By losing my job, we lose our insurance and our son who was having cleft palate surgery a week after the men and the mandate's deadline. Ultimately, I got the J&J because without the insurance, we couldn't afford the surgery at approximately 40 grand. For the last six weeks, I've been experiencing chest pain, palpitations, shortness of breath, even by walking up the stairs. I used to do CrossFit four days a week and run five miles on Saturday. Now I don't even dare attempt anything close to that. The shot and the coercion associated with it has ruined people's quality of life. If I could go back in time, I, would have, I wouldn't have done it. I would have found another way to provide payment for that surgery. Now I'm faced with the mandate of a booster or keep my job. Without a medical exemption, I will be forced to leave my job of 15 years. But I know God has a plan in all of this, and I'm trusting in him to provide guidance and direction through this storm. That is from Jason Ford. Here's the bottom line. If you think an oncology pharmacist isn't qualified or not, whether to know he needs to risk an experimental injection, then he shouldn't have even been your oncology pharmacist. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had, no, he had no business filling scripts for a level of specialty care with with that level uh, of danger. That level of exactness required. That's the, that's the irony of this with the healthcare workers. I mean, I understand why some smart people would make the argument, well, shouldn't there be a, an extra layer of, a, of, of safety and accountability for those that are, are providing us healthcare? I get that to some degree. Right. Like if you were if you were, you know, if you were having, you know, pulmonary breathing issues and they sent you over to a pulmonologist specialist. Right. And as you're walking into the building, the dudes out there, you know, burning down some menthol cancer sticks, you know, just taking down some lung darts. You might be thinking to yourself, eh, we can get a second opinion on this referral. Fair. Sure. It's not like we're not saying that there's not there's nothing to that notion, nothing at all. But when, but on the other hand, you have to ask yourself, why would so many of them not want this? They're all dumb. They're all stupid. Then, then why were they licensed to do these jobs for all this time? You should have, you should have fired all these people a long time ago before we got to this, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, they have no qualifications at all. So many emails I have gotten like that. So many people with Jason Ford's story. And knowing that, once again, Occam's razor. What's the most obvious answer about why still so many so-called experts continue to persist in recommending things that A, don't work, or B, actually hurt people? And uh, there's a reason why early on the show today, why I said I would replace... Uh, Mitch McConnell with Chip Roy because Chip Roy went on Twitter earlier to, uh, earlier this week and said, follow the money. He's exactly right. My wife just recently had surgery in a major city hospital during recovery. 
Our nurse was in the room tending to my wife and COVID and treatments got brought up as well as the jabs. This nurse started whispering at this point. I brought up ivermectin and she said, yes, that's what helps people. Then without prompting, she started talking about remdesivir, remdesivir, killing people that the hospital sent out a memo saying there would be disciplinary action for anyone that brought up ivermectin or any other protocols outside the CDC guidance. She also said she has seen jab injuries among the staff and has been documenting it. The biggest one being the arm, the, the arm the shot is injected in swelling up, but she's also seen cases of paralysis among staff and their families, including kids. She, she said she's just a few years from retirement as an older nurse, so she couldn't risk publicly fighting the healthcare evil. But she does tell people when she gets a chance about ivermectin and avoiding the shots. Her testimony, along with me seeing so many adverse reactions amongst many of my own soldiers, Uh, has really showed me the evil that we are facing. Thank you and your team for all you do. I really appreciate it. I shared this information that you put out with a network of military personnel fighting the jab. I will keep his name. He didn't ask me to, but I will keep his name out of this because of that last part. Did you know, you may have known uh, earlier than I, but our old friend, uh, former head of the Polk County Republicans, Kevin McLaughlin. Yeah. Do you know he died? I did not know that he had passed away. He died because he went into the hospital and they put him on remdesivir and he came out and he died. And his wife called me a couple weeks ago. I did not know because I... Our own University of Iowa, who did the, yeah. who like did one of the first studies on yeah. this, showed that it doesn't work and actually prolongs hospital visits. And his wife called me a couple of weeks ago. I haven't... Uh, I, I, Kevin and I know each other because we attend the same uh, Catholic parish. But after COVID, uh, other reasons why I hadn't seen him a long time, I had no idea he passed away. And his wife uh, was, can you help? A version of what you get all the time. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and he, he he's a man, he was, uh, I believe he was 72 when he passed. And not in perfect health, but he went in, they put him on that, he came out, he was worse, and he died shortly thereafter. Here's my question. Is the nurse who stays quiet because she's close to retirement but tries to help people behind the scenes as much as possible? Is she Corey Tenboom here? Uh, is she Oscar Schindler here? Or is she the guy at Nuremberg? It's a fame it's a, it's a famous case. We made an entire movie about it. A German doctor, a German judge at Nuremberg who he was played by Burt Lancaster in the movie, who attempted to make the case that he should not have been hung for sentencing people to camps because he had previously used every legal loophole he had available to him to to try to get as many exemptions from those death sentences as possible. And then when he was left with no legal loopholes, he had no choice. He had no other way of doing so. It would have ended with his own execution. He would have been sent off to the camp. But he's actually the hero here because look at how many, so many, how many people he actually saved. They hung him, by the way. Uh, they hung him. Uh, because he, they said he violated the highest law. There's a law higher than German law. Uh, thou shall not murder. So they hung him. Uh, they, they didn't give him any, and they didn't, by the way, give him a thinner rope. Actually, it'd be a thicker rope to make it happen faster, right? They, they didn't like give him a thicker rope. So it would be a, an even more merciful hanging as a way of thanking him for the fact that he did do the best that he could. No, they just hung him with the rest of the, just following orders, folks. So this nurse that, that our emailer describes, is she Corey Tenboom, Oscar Schindler, or is she the uh, the the judge at Nuremberg, 
the German judge at Nuremberg or somewhere in between? What do you guys think? That's the hardest question you've ever asked, and there's not really a close. I know. I wrestled with it myself. for before. I knew this, this email this was coming is, up, and I asked myself this question for about two weeks. Here's the territory we're in. Uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing people that he didn't exist. These, these people are swimming in this soup of, can we just return to normal? Can we just get comfort? And meanwhile, we are the same exact news sources are on one hand telling you, uh, we enter the third year of the pandemic, Omicron, we, it's as dangerous as ever. And then their sports department is talking about the big game. You know, it, we're just, we, we, I'm not, I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook, but like the, 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 the zombie nature of how we get up and punch the clock and just do it all over again as, see, that's the part about our comfort and our decadence right now. There's been decadence, but there's never been this level of comfort holistically. Uh, and that's, we're just drunk on it. And so I don't even, I think you'd get the Jehovah's Witness look from most people on that, mm-hmm. Steve. I mean, if you're going to ask that question as well, and it's a valid question yeah. to ask for sure, are those of us who have not at least attempted to physically go intervene when we know this type of stuff is going on in mm-hmm. hospitals, mm-hmm. are we also on the hook? Mm-hmm. I think whatever your answer to the latter question is, well, obviously answer the former. This it, takes us, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it, just so, it, it, heck, we here, when we when we fly on planes, we wear masks. We hate them. We think they're stupid. We think they don't work. And we thought that a long time ago, but we do it uh, early. You know, I was on again, off again early. Sometimes I went right into the grocery store and didn't wear them a year ago. Uh, often with I was with my wife I would because uh, it's one thing for me to pick a fight by myself it's another thing when she's with I, it, yeah I know. Uh, so yeah it's a great question it, it is a great question like if for instance we knew within our own city here that there was a large hospital who was giving um, let's say asymptomatic COVID positive patients so they're obviously not in there for COVID if they're asymptomatic who were giving COVID positive asymptomatic patients remdesivir. Are are we on the hook now for not going and intervening? Just hypothetically mm-hmm. speaking here, that's not really happening. It takes us to a conversation about when, how do you get from civil disobedience to Project Valkyrie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, what is that line? It gets us to a place of, I mean, in the, in the cases of Ten Boom and Schindler, the difference between them, Ernst Janning is the name of the character in Judgment at Nuremberg I'm talking about. The difference between them and Ernst Janning is Ten Boom and Schindler risked their own lives to still do even the best that they could do. That's Schindler's lament, lament at the end of the movie, right? I wish mm-hmm. I could have done more, right? Okay. Janning, he wasn't willing to risk anything. He was willing to exercise loopholes until it, it until the risk was ratio yeah. turned to him, and then that's when he stopped. Right. Mm -hmm. To me, I I think that's a key calculation as you're doing the moral math on all of this. Mm -hmm. Your unwillingness to risk anything on your own behalf. okay, um, is is means is different than everybody than the the other side arguing how much of themselves can they risk? Because then others assume part of that risk that are within my charge. Right. Schindler could not have just done this himself. Everybody that worked for him that was there, they were assuming some level of risk Mm -hmm. to some degree. Right. Okay. so 
it, it we're living in times that we need to start having conversations. Agreed. Uh, internal conversations like this. I mean, if we're going to have, if NASA is going to create a theological panel to begin to create a preemptive narrative for alien arrival, we need to have uh, some serious conversations to have a preemptive narrative for this, these sorts of moral dilemmas, because we're living in those kinds of times, or we're living in proto versions of those kinds of times right now. All right, we'll finish out Feedback Friday here in a second after I tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are going into this real estate market, you know, hey, when you have an uncertain economy like this, if you know what you're doing, you can actually make some good money and and find yourself a good deal if you're the one out there who's got his head on straight when everybody else is losing theirs, right? It helps though for these unprecedented times for you to be that person. If you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust during these uncertain times. Bing. Thank you. And you will find them uh, where the name says it all at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. An agent will help you find one just about anywhere in the country that will come in, take charge of your situation while recognizing that ultimately you are the one in charge. And then they've got a proven, fully vetted track record of success as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, let's go here. David says, I'll keep it short and sweet. Is it finally time to admit that the Federalists got it wrong? Almost every single fear the Anti-Federalist ha anti had at the Constitutional Convention has been realized in 21st century America. I'll answer yes and no. Yes, and that I likely would have been the Anti-Federalist camp if I were alive back then. But neither side, no, we cannot concoct a system of government that can restrain a culture that that turns to Romans one level of depravity. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And attempting to do so will create the worst kind of, <laughs> the very kind of tyranny that we're all authoritarian, but with my dialect. No, we don't want to do that. Yes, the anti-federalists were right. But the times in which we're living, there is no way you could have more specifically worded the Constitution to hold back people that openly say, I, do, I don't know what a woman is, Dr. Yeah. Phil, but I want to be one. I don't know what a woman is, but I want to be one. Exactly. That's what they said to Matt Walsh in that, in that clip. I don't know what a woman is, but I want to be one anyway. Yes. And his response back to them was brilliant. You guys think that this is like a costume, a disguise. You just put it on, and that's all it means to be a woman. I don't know when, when, when there is a legit movement in your society that says, yeah. I, don't, I cannot define this term, but I so desperately desire to belong to it, even to the point of mutilating myself, we're beyond the scope of the Federalist, Anti-Federalist argument at that point. That's what, I, that's what I would say. Exactly. All right, we'll come back on Monday. Maybe. We'll see if they'll have us. Uh, we'll stick around, though, and do our overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, have a great weekend. Until the next time, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.